Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mr. Morley, author of The Ghost, the story of uh, James Jesus Angleton, as well as Our Man in Mexico, about when Scott... He's already been on here for all of you listeners. He's already been on here. Hold on, I'm trying to collapse this side screen. He's already been on here. And uh, he's, you know, why am I having him on again? Why, you know, what's on my, what he just asked was, what's on my mind? We've already talked about the book. Why, what, you know, what kind of idiot double dips and comes back to the <laughs> same discussion? I told you last time afterwards, I think I told you off camera that no bullshit. It was top 10 favorite books. I have on a lot of authors. I didn't want to insult anybody. But now I'm telling you on camera that listening to it again, it truly is in my top 10 favorite books. And I say that, I I mean that. It's the whole story of him to me is is so fascinating. And Mm -hmm. going back through it, it's you know it's like when you revisit a movie when you revisit a book even though now it's only been several months when you revisit it you just start to see different angles and yeah there's a lot there yeah and i'm i'm gonna hurry i'm gonna hurry up and stop talking because no one's listening to this for me they're listening to this for you reviewing it again and again it seems to be this perfect storm of a hyper intelligent super competent well-positioned guy who truly believes that he's fighting communism the scourge of the world is a you know more than his peers a a pro-israel uh proponent mm-hmm. and really that there's nothing in the way it's also framed it may sound odd but the fact that whereas other people in his day and age had a big problem with homosexuals untraditional yeah. He right. truly didn't care. It's kind of like that Marine Corps general. You know, I don't care if you're black or white. I hate you all equally. It's <laughs> That's what he sounds like is I don't care if you're gay or you're straight. To him, it's all about the bottom line. What can he get done? And I'm rambling now. So, Yeah, well, I mean, you bring, you bring up that is one very interesting thing about Jim Angleton was he was a very cultured, cosmopolitan man. And um this period when he's rising to power, when the CIA has just been created in 1947, the war is over, and um, this you know this world is coming into being. So there's a lot of fear of communism. The CIA is created to fight communism, and there's red scare in Washington. But people don't realize, or it's not often mentioned, but you know there was also what they what uh, uh, what they call the lavender scare too, which was. A, a, a you know a campaign against homosexual homosexuals or alleged homosexuals to deprive them of their jobs and in fact a lot more people lost their jobs because they were supposedly gay than because they were communists probably four or five times as many people in Washington lost their jobs in the fifties on that allegation so wow. it was a big thing that was happening and when it happened at the CIA. Um, uh, with this one uh, very prominent man, Carmel Offey, um, uh, who was um, uh, openly gay, but also highly, highly competent. And so people wanted to work with him. Um, and uh, Angleton kind of 
protected him uh, in the in, in the in the middle of, of of all of that from the people who were trying to to get him out of the job. And they they got him out of the spotlight. Um, so you know that was one side of England. Yeah, it's it's a, and again it's it's um you know he he goes to him and he's like you know I'd like to get you to what was called homo circles. He was like I would like to get you to infiltrate them. And he's like why would you offer this to me? You hate me. And he's like exactly. Like he Angleton, I mean, love it or hate it. I mean, he truly the these were all pawns before him and he didn't care. He did not it was just but and I think that's what made him so so lethal. Yeah. Yeah. Going well, He was he was a um he was a true puppet master. I mean and and and, 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 and thought of the intelligence game as being like a puppet master. So um you know, and he was adept. Uh, he was a death yeah. and like you say, you know, he, uh, uh, morality was a matter of indifference to him. It was about it was completely utilitarian. It was yes. like, what do we need to do to accomplish what we want to accomplish? Yes, and I so, thought it was fascinating. About again, you kind of you can pick up you can pick up things that maybe you miss on for, for me on the fourth and the fifth listen through the book is also side note for everybody listening the more you listen to a book you can actually start to speed it up because you know what they're talking about so you can crank through it quickly is his his working with what was it you know although he angleton identified as catholic and accepted jesus christ as his savior he also learned what well, it was it was like the church of reality or the church of real politic i forget how you worded it but he stopped seeing different systems as moral or amoral, as ethical or unethical, and instead saw them as vessels and uh, means to an end. And he started to view fascism, communism, democracy, Catholicism, even homosexuality. He, he started to view all these things as ladders and not necessarily as good, bad. He's just sharper tool, sharp, you know, blunter object. Right. Yeah, that was the that was the way he saw power. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, he was quite adept at wielding it, you know, um, in a bureaucracy. He was a he was a, a master of secrets and using secrets to as leverage for things that, he, you know, that he wanted to obtain. Um, that was another part of his, you know, kind of modus operandi. Mm-hmm. Now. With with. Is it Mary Myers, uh, yeah. JFK, one of his mistresses who uh, allegedly was – man, I mean, you couldn't write this. I mean, you, well, you clearly did. I mean, fictionally, you couldn't write this. You know, she friends with Timothy Leary, and they're doing LSD. Perhaps she yeah. did it with her VIP friend, John F. Right. Kennedy. They mm. can't control him anymore. He's changing too fast. Assassinated. I mean – the the cast of characters. I mean, it sounds like it's a it sounds like a money grab in Hollywood. Just you know, yeah. Hunter S. Thompson. I fear what I will wake up to, and it's just like, what the hell? But I'm trying to think. You know, you know, leave my uh, leave my journal to, or my diary to Jane, uh, Jim Angleton versus everyone else saying that you know we didn't all go there. We came there in the morning, and he was standing in there. And we asked him how we got in. The spy, the lockpick. You know, he shuffled his feet. What was there anything going on deeper, or was it just like how he showed up to? I, I'm going blank. Was is it was it Win Scott who had the heart attack? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, first of all. Uh, Angleton was personal friends with Mary Myers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they were 
they, they were they were they were good friends and she had told um uh, uh ann truitt her the friend uh, part of this same social circle she had told Ann Truett, if anything happens to me give the diary to jim so you know Br ben bradley made a very apt observation about anything was people trusted him so much that, that they felt their secrets were more sacred with him <laughs> yeah. than with themselves which if you think about it is crazy yeah but that was part of his charisma and so so you know he was going to get the the diary um and he got it but it wasn't like he was stealing it. i mean it was just like he wanted to put his hands on it first he was supposed to get it and i don't think i don't think that ben bradley knew that okay when he wrote that account and so he i mean in a way angleton comes off slightly worse in that whole thing than i actually think that he deserved okay. because she did say that he she wanted him to have it so mm -hmm. that might be sinister of itself but it is what mary meyer wanted yeah. you know so, so that story is fascinating for you know for many reasons but that's me okay okay yeah it, it might it might you know it's like don't attribute to malice what might be incompetent or in this case it might just be occam's razor it might just be yes it is spy master superman angleton but the reality is is like he also just had a friend who was like hey if something happens to me can you can have my right it'd be like if i died it'd be like well it was just he was just a guy it's i guess the analogy that maybe i incorrectly draw you know the mind sometimes likes to 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 draw lines between things that aren't related it was if i'm recalling correctly it was wins from your other book for everybody listening our man in mexico also awesome i'm just correct when scott had the heart attack he's the one that died and angleton went and visited his wife afterwards correct yeah so in so just to back up this is from my other book our man in mexico biography of win scott the cia's chief of station in mexico throughout the 1960s and when he died he had written a memoir he was writing a memoir um uh, after he retired from the cia and he finished it and he was going to publish it and uh the cia was not happy about that by the way and so when he died <clears throat> um his friend jim angleton flew to mexico city and basically you know extracted that manuscript from his widow um and it was not a very pleasant experience for her i mean first of all she was trying to cope with the fact that her husband and father their five children had died second of all she knew jim angleton and she did not like him mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. and then he shows up the day after her husband dies and he wants everything that she's got and so and he takes it all and it's all suppressed so that was a pure power play on angleton's part because what win scott knew was very dangerous to jim angleton so that's why he got it and he got it suppressed mm -hmm. again it's that it's that raw power where yeah she's grieving and he comes in and it's kind of like hey i understand you're grieving i need this national it's kind of was it john von neumann the inventor of eniac and maniac when he was dying his brain was starting to go and they actually stationed guards because they didn't want people going in and and getting information from this guy who maybe wasn't lucid who helped build the <laughs> hydrogen bomb they didn't want people coming in there and being like hey old man you know how do we how do we get the uranium pusher plate to work but there is that national security kind of has that thing where they don't care if you're grieving it's i'm very sorry for your loss we need this that's exactly what it was yeah so what i saw and and perhaps this is what's incorrect in my mind at least 
was Angleton's willing to do that. He's willing to go in there and say, hey, I need this I need this manuscript. And by the way, if I don't get it, I'm not going to say it, but you might not get your benefits from your husband dying. If I do get the manuscript, you'll be good. But otherwise, is there a parallel between that and the diary from Mary Myers where is she talking about JFK to him? Is it, is, am I making it sexier than it is? Or was it truly, these aren't parallels. One was a random event and one was national security. Cause I see that parallel death and retrieving oh, no, no, documents. No, no. The two situations are very, are, are very similar in that, you know, you have authentic, you know, original source of material, right. From people in the know and you want to control what they know. You don't want what they know to be shared. Yeah. And so that's what Angleton did in both cases. Now, you know, were there national security concerns? Not really. I okay. mean, you know, I mean, I guess it would be embarrassing to the president if, you know, the, the fact that they were having a relationship, you know, would that have endangered the security of the United States? They probably would have said yes. They might have used a national security argument there. Okay. You know, when Scott... When Scott didn't blow any secrets in, in his in his memoir, at least the part that we've seen, but he did kind of shoot a big hole in the Warren Commission. Mm-hmm. And so they were worried about that because when Scott pointed out in the manuscript that the CIA, the Warren Commission had said something that was very incorrect, yeah. factually, about Lee Harvey Oswald in Mexico City. And when Scott pointed it out, and no one knew better than him because... He was the king of the world down there. He was the chief of station, a very powerful man in that country at that time. So uh, they had to suppress them. And so that's why that, you know, that's why they got that memo. And they probably would have said, well, you know, if you blow a hole in the Warren Commission, that's bad for U.S. national security. Mm-hmm. So we're going to suppress. So, okay. You know, that's the all purpose argument there. Okay. And I always, again, I always think, you know, there's two ways to view things is there this sort of all-powerful like puppet master and everything is part of something or is it just a guy in, you know, in his own words don't worry we're the masters of the universe or we're the masters of the world is this a guy that is just doing what he sees fit i mean we see right we see you know he angleton's too smart he doesn't put it on paper he does it through other people but you know he was helping maybe the vatican hide war criminals he was helping uh the guy the 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 former ss guy in the movie theater you know please call angleton it's we see again and again that he does or the uh uh the guy picked up from the airport with the cia guy who was a known criminal and they call him they're at dinner and they call angleton and angleton calls at dinner i mean the the stuff out of a scorsese movie i mean it's crazy well well yeah i mean you know a guy like Angleton was, you know, I mean, he had a license to break the law. Yeah. I mean, the, the charter of the CIA says, go break the law of other countries. And so, you know, it breeds this attitude of impunity. And when you're extremely smart, you're well-funded, you know, and you can do anything in the world that you want. I mean, that kind of power goes to your head. I mean, I think your question is interesting. You know, is this part of some, you know, bigger, you know, monstrous thing well i mean the cia is pretty you know lethal organization done a lot of bad things you know so you know depending on how you want to you know whatever your political point of view is about the cia but i I don't think that's indisputable um so you know what's interesting about angleton is he wrote very high for a while but you know his thinking was too rigid and the world went past them and when the world went past them you know he lost all of his power and he, he looked like a bit of a fool, you know? And so 
for a brilliant guy, his rigid thinking really got him into into trouble, and it meant that his power was not perpetuated. Mm-hmm. I thought, in doing, the course of doing this book, I thought James Angleton, a very famous guy, you know, highly regarded and all that. <clears throat> That's not the case at the CIA. In talking to reform, former CIA officers and the you know historians in the agency, but people who are of that culture, and you know. They think of Angleton as a guy who went off the rails, who caused a lot of problems for their profession, you know, who, who, who didn't do things the right way. You know, kind of CIA people can be very correct. You know, we got to do things the right way. Um, so it wasn't his amorality that got him so much as, you know, uh, that ultimately he was ineffective and he was out of touch with the world. And the stuff he said about the communists were crazy. And there was, you know, the mole hunt was, was a disaster for the agency itself. So um, he was not—he he was not highly regarded, and I think that speaks to you know. Angleton was ultimately held accountable, and his illegal operations were exposed, and the CIA really had to be accountable in a new way for the first time. And the modern system of controlling the CIA with congressional oversight committees and the FISA courts—you mm-hmm. know—all of that came into being because of the abuses of Jim Angleton. Not not only him, but he epitomized what had gone wrong with the CIA. So, so um, you know, now the CIA has recovered and um, is actually a stronger organization because of that oversight, you know, and maybe are freer to, you know, do bad, more bad things around the world. But Angleton did change the, the way the CIA was, was controlled and, and the way it's thought of. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a positive thing, it was a negative thing. Yeah. So, He's he's a, he's a he's a that's another way in which he's an ambiguous character. Influential, yes. Admirable, mm, not so much. Yeah, yeah, right. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like maybe MacArthur becoming <laughs> disgraced, saying we're going to drop nukes on Korea, and publicly kind of embarrassing Truman or Patton slapping the soldier. Right. It's it, it kind of sounds yeah. He's like Angleton sounds like a race car. Yeah, like a NASCAR race, and he goes zero to a thousand miles an hour, and it looks great for the first quarter of the track. But then the world turns, and Angleton keeps going straight, and he hits a wall, <laughs> and he pulls a yeah, a, you know, an er- a Dale Earnhardt, right? It's yeah, okay, it's yeah, it's well, and 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 and, and Richard Helms, um, the man, the CIA director who kept Angleton in his position in retirement conceded that he probably should have gotten him to retire a few years before he did. I mean, yeah. Helms kind of regretted that at the end. Yeah. So, which is a plug for my next book, Kami, uh, coming out next year, Watergate and the CIA. Oh. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a terrific read. Uh, I mean, it's not done yet, but it's going to be a terrific read and a lot of fun. And you will definitely enjoy it. So you have to have me on the show. Again. I will absolutely. You don't have a say in the matter. I will absolutely have you. I was going to ask you about that towards the end. But OK, yeah, no, I, I'm so, I dude, I, I legitimately love your book, dude. It's sir. I love your books. <laughs> um, it's I still got you for I still got you for 12 minutes. So is okay. now. Again, maybe it's I'm I'm listening. I've listened to it so many times. I mean, it really for everyone listening to this podcast that you know that does kind of know which books I sort of you know glow about. Raven Rock, this book, Operation Paperclip, 
There are a handful of books, Metamorphosis of Primate. Like, there's a handful of books that I I talk about like every other episode. We're 420 something episodes in. So for everybody listening, there are a lot of books I like, but this is one of the ones I I, I hold up in my in the, in the pantheon. So just take that for what it's worth. That being said, about we kind of see these parallels again, maybe between going to Win Scott's widow and going to the house of Meyer. You know, are there parallels or are they just similar? And and it's just a coincidence with with MK Ultra, with um, I can't remember his name, chaining that guy to the bed. And, you know, they gave him LSD. He was stuck in what we now call a black site for several years. And they talk, you know, he goes, can we train? And then can we train, uh, I think, a cubic? Can we hypnotize someone to go kill Castro? Angleton, Mm. you know, he doesn't kind of like what Eisenhower said about, you know, a general will use every weapon he has. Angleton doesn't, again, he doesn't care if you're gay or straight. He doesn't care if you're an ex-Nazi. He doesn't care if you're in the Vatican. He doesn't, he's like, hey, can we hypnotize him to kill Castro? He doesn't care how goofy that sounds. I don't, I don't, what is it called? Acid? Give it to him. Let's see if we can kill him. Like, Angleton, it's, again, I, I, I love and I respect and I fear the kind of just no holds barred. Well, he was, he, he, he was a free thinker. Yeah. And, 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 and he, he was unencumbered by morale. Um, so, uh, you know, he would try anything to achieve his means. Um, his role in MK Ultra was something that, you know, I talk about in the book to the extent that it's known. Unfortunately, the real records of MK Ultra were destroyed yeah. by CIA directly yeah. in 1973. And so we've never really gotten a full picture of what happened. We did get some financial records later, so we can reconstruct the organizations that were involved in, and that can lead to some of the people, but we don't know, you know, we only have a, ha- a patchwork knowledge of the experiments and, and on that's what, you know, they were funding all this experiment in different ways to control the mind, hypnosis, LSD, all sorts of chemicals, all sorts of different techniques. So while they were doing that, then at the same time, you know, the CIA would, put these requests in. Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh, hold on. No, you're fine. Yeah. <coughs> I should have brought a glass of water. Um, I, was ga- so, I, I just tried to hand you a water bottle. I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah, get your hand out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, I had that anecdote about he had gone and said, you know, could we train? But he might have done that, you know, a dozen times. He might have done that 50 times, you know, and we just don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, f- feel free to go grab some, <laughs> feel free to go grab some water if you want. I can monologue. Um, yeah. So, yeah. well, yeah, you, you can go get some water. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. So, what I'm talking about is 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 um, it's the MK Ultra program, which was where the CIA wanted to give psychedelics to individuals to maybe either erase their memory or they, it's 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 hypothesized that it was to provide so much trauma that it would kind of people would dissociate into almost an alternative personality and again most of the files were destroyed by the cia accidentally but the idea was could you create a manchurian candidate could you create someone because the perfect asset is someone that doesn't know they're an asset and it's that's the whole mk ultra thing so but it's tying that in and then with zr rifle right and there's the wave station in my in miami i think which uh, Dr. Vince Houghton talks about in his book, uh, Nuking the Moon. There are these parallels between, you know, the guys at dinner and they're like, would you kill him? Do you think we could kill him? And they realize they're talking about Castro. And it's like, that's just what like Angleton was just talking about during his lunch break was like just assassinating, you know, the head, a head of state. 
But again, it's maybe it's my mind drawing lines and comparisons between things that don't you know deserve to be compared. But let's do it anyway. Let's just speculate wildly because it was sixty years ago. Who cares? With MK Ultra, with the Acid, with Myers, with Winscott, with her diary, with Timothy Leary, with it, it's all these parallels. And then we look at ZR Rifle, and we look at who else but Lee Harvey Oswald. We see all these things where it's did Angleton have a hand in it, or was it just was the fingerprint? Was he so good at what he did that we don't know? It's like what you, I think you said at the end. Um, when they asked him, I asked him in such a, a RFK said he asked someone in the CIA, and I asked someone in the CIA in such a way that they couldn't uh, they couldn't lie to me, and he said no, we didn't kill him. And years later, someone said, "Oh, what a perfect guy to have answer that question." Basically, meaning this guy from the CIA said we didn't kill him because he wasn't read in on it. And it's right. I mean, it melts your brain. Well, I mean, this goes to uh, I think one of the larger historical, you know points that that i feel in the book and uh, and both of my actually all three of my cia books are really about this theme about the cia's rise to power from 1947 to the middle of the 1970s when it really became the powerful institutional way and in that in that rise the assassination of kennedy was key because if the cia was not held accountable for that they they could not be held accountable. Yeah. And after Kennedy's assassination, the CIA's grip on power in the scheme of things in Washington, especially among the national security agency, was very secure. And um, and so uh, you had this very powerful agency, which really, to my mind, really spins out of control in Vietnam and Waterloo. And and people, you know, th- this powerful agency became truly abusive, both nationally and internationally at home and abroad and people the watergate scandals of the 1970s were really a popular rebellion against this federal government and people just said you know we don't want to do it that way now that didn't curb the cia that much but it did it did definitely change them it did it it, it did curb what they how they operated and, and, and the way they functioned so you know um but the CIA is, you know, is one faction among many in Washington, a very powerful faction, and the national security factions are very powerful. Um, you know, we've got a budget of, uh, you know, $600 billion, uh, $700 billion. The, 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 the intelligence budget is probably about 50 to $75 billion of them. So not a huge sector of the government compared to Social Security sure. and and, and and other stuff, but significant, and especially when you consider the brain power, mm-hmm. you know, that, that those institutions have at their command, the information capacity they, they, that they have at their command, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, my books are to try and you know really explain the reality of that without you know, I don't uh, from a critical distance. Um, I'm not I'm I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not mm-hmm. close. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not an advocate. I'm not trying to abolish the CIA. People can decide what they want, mm-hmm. but a very powerful, unaccountable institution. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and just to, I meant to say this earlier for everybody listening. 
all all things spoken about are my thoughts and my opinions and don't reflect those of Mr. Morley because you are a very good unbot. You do look at it from a distance. Everything I'm saying, I think the first time I came on here saying I was like, oh, they're evil. And now I'm saying I'm like, oh, they can do anything. This isn't a reflection of this. His book is a set of facts. I am putting my own spin on it. So full disclosure, it is a very good balanced book. Um, so. I got to ask real quick. So you said your three books. Does that include the new one coming out? Is yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think of them as okay. my CIA books. Okay. Well, because I was wondering, I was like, what do you mean your third book? I only know of two. I was like, oh, you're holding one out on me, man. Um, so I've got to go. Actually, that's what I'm going to go do now is to go work on it. I'm, I'm, I'm on a tight deadline because yeah, yeah, I yeah. want it. It's got to be published by next June, which is the 50th anniversary of the Watergate break. So. <laughs> Awesome. Sure. Well, then, yeah. Well, hey, we'll I'll give you a couple extra minutes. How about we wrap this one up? What I did want to say was, man, if there's just one that's completely separate from all the spy in the skullduggery and the assassinations and the affairs and all that stuff, if there is just one little glimpse of like humor in the whole book, it's the fact that Angleton and what it's I forget his first name. It's something white. Angleton and this guy drink LSD laced gin intentionally. They call a cab. They go to Chinatown in New York. They order meals. They never take a bite. And they sit there laughing hysterically. And there's something in my mind that, man, if there was ever proof that, like, we're living in a simulation, is the fact that the the head of CIA counterintelligence, spymaster James Jesus Angleton, was tripping balls with his friend in Chinatown, just pupils the size of quarters on LSD. And man, there's something beautiful about that. Maybe he killed JFK. I don't know, but there's something beautiful about man. Well, he, he was a you know he was a very creative, yeah, free spirited, free thinking oh, yeah. man. I mean, not always admirable to be sure, but very interesting. And you know. He wanted to explore, yeah, you know, yeah. his mind to the limits. So it wouldn't surprise me that he would do that. Absolutely, you know? the orchids, the, the 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 rock tumbler, and making his own jewelry, and and uh, very last thing. So everybody listening, just just Google James Jesus Angleton. You have to look at pictures of this guy. He truly looks like he looks exactly like what you think he would look like. And your description is perfect when he talks about the secondhand account of Angleton coming in from a night of fishing. And to me, it's just like that's how the movie would start about Angleton. Because he comes in at night, trench coat, hat, covered in rain. And it's just like, dude, this guy looks like a CIA chief. I, I Real quick, is, this, is there any way that this can become a movie? Maybe I'm just fanboying, but I love this book so much. I would watch that movie. Uh, you know, I've I've had some expressions of interest. Okay, I think it'd be a great movie. I think, I think it'd be, be a great. fantastic movie. Well, so. as this podcast grows, maybe I'll eventually I'll meet some director and I'll throw him your way. It would be awesome. I would watch that ten out of ten times, Mister yeah. Morley. I will let you go, sir. Thank you so much for your time. I guys, I cannot say it enough. I know I recommend a lot of books. If there are three books I would buy from all the books I've recommended, it's Ghost by James or Ghost about James Jesus Angleton. Raven Rock or Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. Out of 424 episodes, those are my three favorite books. I'm not bullshitting you. It's an awesome book. It will terrify you. It will inspire you. At the very least, it will let you know that reality is stranger than fiction. Mr. Morley, thank you so much, sir. And I will put that book in the description, sticking to the top comment, as well as Our Man in Mexico, story about Win Scott. Go get them. They're awesome. 
I can't say it enough. And now I'm running in circles. Mr. Morley. Thanks for having me, Tommy. Yes, really appreciate it. Let's do it again. Absolutely, my man. Anytime you want. God bless. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.